find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Today, we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. Uh, Forgive me if you can hear the dryer in the background. You probably can't, but... um, You know, even Papa Podcastio has to clean his undies every now and then, you know, Um, at least once a week. You know, you can always turn them inside out Uh, (laughs) midweek. Sorry for uh, the long delay in episodes. I I plan on keeping up a lot more uh, this month. It's just uh, been busy. Been busy. But if I ever uh, miss another week, I'll just uh, pop in an old Grindbin episode that I guested on. Uh, there's plenty of those, and uh, they're much better than this podcast. So <laughs> I'll, I'll go some. I'll go way back. I'll go like you know three years back or something like that. So it'll be an oldie but a goodie. It's been a rough weekend so far. It was you know it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend, but it ended horribly. I hobbled myself. Sometimes I forget I'm in my late thirties, and uh, you know I don't know why. Even when I was young, like every time I got pretty lit at a party. I always want to like climb a house or climb a garage or jump a fence. Like I was always, I was that guy who nobody likes that guy, by the way. And there's this huge brick wall in the back of my friend's house, big old 10 foot brick wall. And drunk me looks at it and says, I bet I could climb that. Nobody believed me. I decided to show them the skills I climbed that wall. No, it wasn't Jackie Chan level of climbing a wall, but it was it was decent. Hoisted my fat ass up there, um, bruised my rib a little bit just trying to hoist my fat ass <laughs> over the over the wall. And uh, even though I was able to climb it, the dismount not good. Uh, jumped off the fucking wall, landed awkwardly and just bruised the shit out of my heel my left heel i'm not sure if it's a micro fracture or just a really bad bruise yet i'm gonna give it a couple of days see how it's feeling got some numbing cream on it right now that's sort of helping but yeah i'm dumb i've always known i'm dumb and last night i once again proved it anyway back to uh back to why we're all here they don't make a lot of movies like Charlie Varick. That's what we're covering today, as you probably know from the title of the episode. <laughs> Having your lead character be the complete opposite of James Bond, yet somehow still be pretty cool, is not an easy feat. Walter Matthau, Walter, <laughs> Walter Matthau, he, I gotta say, he's like the personification of the term indifferent in a lot of scenes in this movie. He has the face of a Sharpay, uh, yet I can't get enough of the guy, um... Enough about Matthau, though. That's that's not what we're here for. We're here to honor the mustache of William Shallert, who portrays Sheriff Horton. Much like Tommy Lee Jones in No Country for Old Men, the sheriff seems to be one step behind of all the action in this film. But unlike Ed Tom Bell's stoic vibe, Sheriff Horton has more of a Horton here's a who type vibe. <laughs> He's a real ass clown all the freaking movie. Anyway, without further ado, let's leave the glitz and glamour of our air show gig start crop dusting then leave that and start robbing banks with our wife because life is short baby and sometimes you got to burn your wife and it, <laughs> and that's just the way it is uh you probably should have burned that nosy neighbor as well anyway hope you enjoy this show it's a lot of fun um uh, goodbye
Play the... Oh, yeah. I always forget. Play that shit theme song. Jesus Christ. It's the most deadly podcast you We're ready for the show. We'll watch moves. We'll make some jokes. And then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary Harry Upper Lips. It's the Mustachio podcast you What is up? It is your host, Daniel J. Segura of the Mustachioed Podcastio. And uh, today, you know, we're welcoming one of our uh, one of our Podcastio veterans, one of the cats that we've talked a lot about beer, uh, food. Um, he's picked some of the better films that I've covered on this <laughs> podcast, and I appreciate that uh, about him. He's he's a uh, I don't know. He's one of the, the he's someone that I actually talk to almost every day. Uh, we mostly talk about exercising and the lack thereof and our love for food and how it really fucks us over with the exercising part. Is it, is Dr. They kind of work against each other. <laughs> Dr. Chef Robbie Robertson, how's it going, man? How you doing, brother? I'm great, Daniel. Uh, thanks for having me on again. I was thinking about it. I've been on the podcast here uh, a fair number of times because we did Superfly and Smoking the Bandit. and. Slapshot, there's quite a few. Yeah, this is, I think, your fifth? Fifth, I think? Yeah, because then we did the Brewer, uh, what was the name of that fucking Canadian? Strange show? Brew? Strange Brew. <laughs> wow, those, all of them started with S. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're breaking that with Charlie Varick, 1973, but it's a good, I think it's a good movie to break it on. But, you know, we are honoring, um, what is it, William Schaffer, Schallert? Uh, he plays Sheriff Horton. I decided to honor him uh, because he has a very small part, but he's got right. a hell of a mustache, and I, I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> he kind of overall fails uh, terribly in this film. He, he unfortunately doesn't really uh, find a lot of success in his hunt for uh, finding out who did this crime, and I felt kind of bad for him. No, you would think in a crime movie that the, the law enforcement would play a bigger role, but not really. Uh, yeah, I know. They're kind of just in the way. Yeah. <laughs> And they don't get treated well. Yes. No, nobody likes them. Um, everyone thinks they're like useless. Uh, yeah, William Shallard. Yeah, and, you know, I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything. He seems like he's kind of a character actor kind of guy, but I'm sure he's been in some episode of something. In the yeah, 70s. he looks like a like a TV dad. You know, he's he like the the neighbor of the Brady Bunch or something. He has that look about him. It's... Yeah. He kind of has that, uh, what's his name from Tremors, the guy, the Gross, uh, something. Gross. Uh, Michael Gross. Michael Gross. He's got a Michael Gross thing going on with the kind of receding hairline and the, the mustache with the glasses. Yeah. He has a he has that energy, but also kind of not as aggro. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not as angry, but, you know, he tries his best in this film. And I got to say, the first thing I'm going to say, I got two things I'm going to say. The first thing I'm going to say is. We had had to reschedule this a couple of times, and this was one I couldn't really find easily to just stream for free, so I had to rent it. I, w I had no problem uh, renting this movie twice because I actually couldn't wait to see it again. I wanted to watch it one more time uh, today just as a refresher, and I had already had my notes and everything, so it was just a full free watch, which is old school. I used to – I used to do that when I first started the podcast. I would always have one watch where I would take all my notes, and then the second watch I would just watch it and just enjoy it for what it is and don't pause it or anything. Um, and I have not done that in a bit because I'm just so busy that I just don't have the yeah. time. But today I made sure to to make the time to do it. And 
I'm glad I did, man. I love this movie. I'm just going to tell y'all now, if you haven't <laughs> seen Charlie Varig, like, you got to go watch this fucking movie. Like, I can't believe I'd never seen it, but like I say that all the time because this is why I started the podcast. Uh, well, like after, movies like after, your, after you did the episode on the taking of Pelham 123, Oh yeah, and and you seem like such a fan of that. It's like, well, if you like Pelham One Two Three, I've got a movie for you. Hell and, yeah, <laughs> you were yeah. on point with that shit. Yeah, because yeah. and and you know, and also I loved um, No Country for Old Men, and this has a you very similar that. vibe. Yeah, it does because yeah, it's really similar. The they steal the money. You've got the the sort of weird after them, uh, yeah. you know, who's sort of unstoppable. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I had the same thought that there, this is kind of like a seventies version of no country for old men. It really is. You just don't get the uh, stoic sheriff. You get the bonehead sheriff, but yeah. it's so close. The, the, the vibe of the fact that Molly, who, uh, will f- if y'all find out if you haven't seen the movie is, is the hitman in this film, uh, hunting down the money. He has a set of rules, much, much like, uh, what's his right. Place? You know, and uh, it, it's interesting to see the parallels. You can tell this definitely inspired a lot of films uh, after it, but it was definitely inspired by films before it, too. So it's really cool to kind of see it all come together. Yeah, this, this I, I like this movie. It was uh, Don Siegel, the director. This was his follow up to Dirty Harry. Uh, so he made Dirty Harry and then this was his next movie. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> guy's a professional and it was supposed it was supposed to have clint eastwood in it or at least that was what he hoped for originally yeah so yeah i read a little about the clint eastwood connection and that i think they were even considering um donald sutherland for a second there yeah and that would have been really different i would have actually kind of liked donald sutherland in there um I, I don't know. He was just kind of coming up in that time. And uh, I, I think he would have played. I think I would have believed him as sort of a badass a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what makes this movie a little different is, you know, you got uh, Walter Matthau and he's sort of I say Matthau, but I think it's is it Matthau? Tau? I think it's Matthau. Matthau? Matthau? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so he got him who kind of what I like about him. He's that he's almost like a so not a hero that he's a hero he's like the i don't know the 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 knuckleball of of acting exactly <laughs> yes <laughs> he is very much an everyman kind of guy yeah and, he just, he's just chewing gum and walking slow <laughs> yeah and one thing that's funny is with a lot of movies i'll watch them and i'll get uh i've got a good friend named mike i'll get him to watch movies with me and i told him about this one I said hey you should watch it with me it's really wild because walter Matthau in it is like a sex guy you know it's like <laughs> the 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 plot of this movie depends on him being able to seduce a woman and, <laughs> and he would not watch it with me. And, and the reason is, is because his dad looks exactly like Walter Matthau. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he's like, I just can't watch that. It's yeah. like, I, I, I can't watch that. See, my dad kind of looks like a Mexican Charles Bronson. So at least Charles Bronson rarely ever had scenes like that. Although he did make that one movie, which I won't mention, uh, which I've never <laughs> seen. So uh, uh, yeah. was it? I don't even remember. I don't want to talk about it, but anyway, he made this Twinkie? one movie. This, yes, goddamn it. <laughs> I knew it was like a pastry of some sort. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, like it does make it very weird. And I think Donald Sutherland, I would have believed him a little bit more um, in that part when, when it came down to the being a little bit. He has that one uh, movie, I think it's called like Don't Look 
don't look down or something like that. It's like a kind of a horror. I think I actually. Yeah, I, I I can't think of the title of it. I know the one you're talking about with the yeah. the 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 little person in in the um, raincoat. Yeah, yeah um, I can't remember don't the title. Right now. Yeah, don't, don't look, look now. It came out the same Thanks. year. Yeah, it oh. came out the same year, and he has um, – he's very sexual in that movie. And I remember it threw me off, but at the same time, I was like, man, he really comes across like a fuck guy, like a sex guy yeah. in this. <laughs> this. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's one of the things about Charlie Vert that makes it work is, like, you really don't know if he's capable of pulling this off. You know? It's, yes. Because, he, you know, he, it's not like watching Charlie Bronson. You know, it's like you, who you know is going to pull it off. But. Yeah, it's almost like, you know how, like, in every – action movie like in die hard you you have you know you have that guy with the glasses who's like the guy that's he's sort of the brains of the thing but he's not actually he's just in a little lab or computer lab like he has that kind of energy but he's actually the one leading everything so he's he's getting in front of it but he kind of has these henchmen that he works with and so it is interesting because he does know he knows how to delegate very well he knows how to like find these roles uh, for his hijinks, because basically, y'all, if you haven't seen this movie, Charlie Varick is a man who used to be like a vaudeville entertainer kind of guy with a with like an airplane, and he did it with his partner's wife, I guess. Uh, yeah. And they they had this whole little, you know, this little uh, uh, performance that they would do for money, but eventually that ran out. Yeah, they were in a, a air circus, and he did air what circus, he, yeah. he described it as a drunk act. Where he like they'd have the the biplane out there and he'd act like a drunk from the crowd and he would come in and get the plane and fly it around <laughs> then cr- then crash it in front of the crowd yeah and, yeah on purpose it's a good bit yeah <laughs> I would want to watch it and uh, and it did you know eventually they moved on from that he became a a, a dust a crop duster uh, yeah. which I've been one of those a couple of times in my past let me tell you. And uh, he became a crop dust with not a lot of money in crop dusting because, you know, there was bigger companies and taking over that, you know, farms, you know, larger farms, hiring larger companies. So he was like, well, what do I do now? I'm I'm pretty old now. I I, all I got is a 20,000 packs of gum (laughs) and nothing to show for it. I got this these coveralls and uh, that's pretty much it. So he decides that he's going to start. Robin Banks. And by the way, the movie tells you this in little bits. It's kind of what I like about the film is it kind of lets you either figure stuff out on your own or stuff is kind of implied. It doesn't go out to like completely give you this because it just kicks off. um, Well, initially it kicks off with this intro. And tell me what you think about this. Is this to kind of show like this is how peaceful things could be if like all this shit because it like shows you like. Little House it, on the Prairie shit. Yeah, it's it's like Americana. It's like, yeah. oh, look at this super peaceful small town in the American West where, you know, it's just everything is so nice and everyone is, yeah. is like out putting the flag up and, and girls in cut-off shorts walking down the street. Everything is so peaceful and, and nice and and sweet. And, um, yeah. Then uh, and chaos ensues. It does. Yeah. I like it. They're in a Tres Cruces uh New Mexico, which I actually do like that um, when we get our first shot because uh, we get Charlie uh, played by by Walter Matthau and and you get his uh, wife and I I, I um, Nadine oh, Nadine there you go Nadine yeah. um, Jacqueline Scott I believe yes and who I kind of wish was in the movie longer but yeah you, I like that you I like their whole intro the little banter I love the fucking car they're in it's all banana yellow and shit it's like yeah the the big continental Lincoln Continental gotta love it you know you could you could you could really take a nap back there (laughs) yeah 
It's amazing. And, and so they pull up to the front of the bank and uh, Walter Matthau's got gray hair and glasses and everything. And, and, you know, a cop pulls up behind him and tells him they can't park there. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I like their, it, in, what I, what I think is cool is when you learn that they had this, this air circus thing, they obviously perform together and you can tell because they really turn it up. You know, they, they right. find an excuse by, you know, Walter Matthau is dressed in like an obvious costume to us, but he has like white hair and white eyebrows with glasses that look like make his eyes look giant. And <laughs> but yeah. Coke bottle glasses, Coke and... bottle glasses. He got a cast. Um, so we get to see fucking Walter Matthau's weird old feet, uh, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and he makes the excuse of like, look, I want maybe to that's why, check. maybe that's why Quentin Tarantino likes this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he's, he's yeah, he's got his own file under M. Yeah, <laughs> feet. feet. Mm. They look extra dry too, man. Like, yeah. That New Mexico desert really took his toll <laughs> on those toes, baby. And so he limps his way to the into the bank because the cops like, all right, okay, fine, fine, you know, the, just go ahead and go. Just yeah, you're in a cast. Just go in there, be quick. Yeah, he he gives them that. And so I do like the fact that we don't know who he's working with. We don't even know what's really his purpose is. We're kind of it's a little sus. We know it's sus, but we're not sure exactly what's going on. But he goes to the bank. He's acting completely normal. Everyone's very pleasant, which I love about small towns because they really are like that. Um, depending on. You know, sometimes it depends on which small town you go to, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, and he, you know, all of a sudden he f- just flips like a dime because he's just being so he's being so Walter Matthau, like he's kind of like he's not charming, but he's very likable. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. And that, that's a, he seems to be trying to get his way with charm at first. It's yes. Like, hey, can you cash this cashier's check for $10,000, whatever it is for me? And when that doesn't work, then he flips the switch. Yeah, he flips the switch, scares the shit out of the uh, the bank manager, who, by the way, I love this character. He he plays that scared, sad. His, uh, he, his name's Harold Young in the film. It's played by, I think, Woodrow Parfrey or something like that. But he kicks ass as his character. He's like terrified. Looks like he's about to fucking shit his pants, and he lets him get into the into the into the vault. But I like the idea of they already have two of their men in there, just acting like customers, and they flip on their masks and turn turn around, and mm-hmm. they're uh, they start like I love this the kickoff. It it kind of reminded me of um, the masks. Um, I think they're supposed to be like racist Asian masks. I think, yeah. but. Don't they kind of look like the clown masks a little bit in, in, the, in the Dark Knight? Yeah, yeah the, the Dark, dark Knight. Knight. Exactly. Yeah, they do look like that. Yeah. It's really weird. I it, like right away. I was like, God damn it! Why does that mask kind of look familiar <laughs> to me? Uh, which also, I think that movie kicks off with the bank robbery as well. Yep. So I'm kind of curious if there is some little light inspiration from good old Christopher Nolan. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a it's a really awesome scene. It's it it kicks the movie off right away after that weird peaceful opening. And they're able to get a shitload of money, but unfortunately, you know, a couple of guys die. Uh, one of their men dies. The security guard dies. One of the cops gets shot right in the fucking face. Yeah, he's the only Native American in town in New Mexico. And, and, says, and so, you know, he, what happens is uh, the his wife, Nadine, is sitting out front. And the cops, you know, the cops are being competent at their job, which is, you know, something you don't see in movies yeah. a lot. They're be- they're being good at their job. They noticed the the, the tag number. 
you had yeah. the plates. It's like, you know, I think I think that was a stolen car. They check up on it. It turns out the car has been stolen. So the cops go back and, you know, they're in, at, talking to her about it. And she says, oh, and ask for driver's license. And she reaches in her purse to get her driver's license and turns around with her purse and shoots the cop in the forehead through the purse. Oof, it is brutal. <laughs> it's about yeah. as brutal as a 1973 gunshot to the face can be because you kind of know it might happen, but you're like, no. And to think that I had, I had read that this film was supposed to be even darker and a little more brutal and a little more sexual. But um, I think, I think I read that universal got, got basically made a deal to be able to show this film at some really nice venue of some sort. I forget some kind of film. Yeah, There was something about the East coast release. So they had to make it night. They had to make make it PG. Yeah. Yeah, so they so that's when they made some of the changes. But honestly, I think this movie, I don't I don't know. I don't know if it would have been as good if you just added brutality and sex right. shit. It you was know? I it, like the implication of it. I like how it's implied. I like how Yeah, it was just what it should be, I thought. Yeah. I, it, it, it's, it's still gritty. Yeah. And so after she shoots the first cop, she shoots the second cop in the gut and yeah. he shoots he shoots her through the door of the car. Yeah, but, I mean, I didn't even know bullets could go through those fucking cars. Those, those things look. <laughs> By the way, car, you really learned these cars could take a fucking beating back then, man. The, yeah, all the all the car scenes, um, the few that uh, that are in this film are a lot of fun. I thought they were pretty well shot, and this one's yeah. uh, one of the better ones. You know, you, you, she the hood goes up because she right away has to run into a cop car that tried to barricade them, and she's driving with the goddamn hood up you know something yeah. may have happened to her but you're not sure if it was like a kill shot or nothing but she ends up having to stop halfway she's dying it's his wife we find out yeah. and she's, uh, real she, ride, she's a real ride or die you know it's she like, fucking is and also so so is uh charlie because he takes her loss he doesn't shed a fucking tear not not he, like right away at least no he <laughs> He dumps black powder on her and sets her, <laughs> her body on fire. <laughs> you know? Hey, Freaky Friends. It's Michelle and Melissa from the Freaky Fridays podcast. We are sisters in separate states and love to talk about all kinds of spooky, freaky, and scary shit while drinking and laughing through our fear. Join us Fridays as we delve into everything from the world of the paranormal to scary movies to creepy stuff we find around the internet. Subscribe to Freaky Fridays wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Sleep tight. Make sure you leave the lights on. Freaky Fridays is a proud member of the Podmoth Network. For more awesome pods, check out podmoth.network. This is so interesting because you do root for Charlie, but he's not a good guy. Like, he is a cold-blooded motherfucker. <laughs> Man, he is just out for it. Like, it's very like Breaking Bad or... You know, like where you just rooting for this guy who's kind of garbage, but there's just other garbage out there too, yeah. and you kind of feel and, bad for the guy. And that's, I think, that's the charm of Walter Matthau. It's yeah. like you, you know, like, oh yeah, it's Walter Matthau. You don't think about the fact. Well, his wife was shot while they robbed a bank, and he took her wedding band off so she couldn't be identified, and then dumped gunpowder on her and set her body on fire so that they couldn't. <laughs> tell who it was that was genius and it ends up coming in handy because so all that's left is him and and our man Harmon sullivan played by andy robinson who who i personally because i'm such a 90s kid uh just recognized from hellraiser but i know sure. he's been in a lot of other films um yeah. i think he was in uh that clinton dirty harry. dirty harry yeah and he yeah. apparently was 
you know, uh, his character was even crazier <laughs> that one, but yeah. he does a great, great job making you, um, really like you just really can't wait until he gets his because he, he plays a good athlete. creep. Yeah, he plays a good creep, and yes. he's made a career out of being a creep pretty much. So like, more power to him. <laughs> yeah, because you really honestly believe like if this movie had been more ex- exploitative he would have definitely taken advantage of somebody or been inappropriate with someone. Like he seems like that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and, and, but I like that he's able to give you that portrayal without it needing to go to that area. You're just like, God, I hate this guy. I can't stand him. Everything, his face, everything he says. And um, cause he honestly is like, he even tells Charlie, he's like over there, you know, Charlie's trying to pepper up his, his dead wife and um, our dying wife. And he's like, can you hurry the fuck up? <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, give him some, give him a moment, Jesus. <laughs> but uh, they take off. They end up getting stopped by a cop. He's ready to shoot this cop right in the freaking forehead when he starts looking because they were smart enough to get in their um the crop they duster cars. van. Yeah, they switch yeah. cars, get in the crop duster van. They put all this stuff inside the crop duster containers, so and they're all you know enclosed and shit. So they have the excuse of, oh well, this is poisonous shit. Like you don't really want to look in here, officer. Right. And right when he starts digging a little bit more, that's when the explosion happens at the car. He says goodbye to his wife, and uh, the cop takes off right away. It's a hell of a distraction. They get in the car. They take off. They Oh, they dump all their weapons and stuff. And, yeah. Um, it's a, it's so cool. I like how they captured all this. I like that it's shot during the day. Um, I don't know why. Like I kind of appreciate these scenes when they're shot during the day, and you can still make it seem kind of gritty, and you can still make it seem – you still kind of capture the stress of the moment and right. I don't know. Cause it's actually really pretty outside. <laughs> yeah. And like they, they put a timer on the car they used in the robbery and the just, you know, they're all pulled over on the side of the road by the cop and you see off in the distance on a mountain, you see the explosion, <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, and it's, it's not like a giant, you know, giant nuclear ex- bomb or anything, but it's enough that it gets the cop's attention. He takes off. Yeah. And especially, I think that's why it's really, it's not a bad idea, especially back then. Um, you know, I'm not sure what year it's supposed to take place, but it looks like kind of in that present day in the 70s. It's not a bad idea to do this in a small town because you're not going to take so much that it's going to like, you know, it's 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 chump change for them, or it's usually is, and and also like these kind of things, like an explosion like that, the whole fucking town goes. And what movie also does is No Country for Old Men when he blows up the car yeah. to distract everybody. Because everyone freaks out in a small town when something like that happens, and he's able yeah. to just steal shit from the pharmacy. Oh, and another thing, another uh, No Country for Old Men connection, both set in the American West. You True. Know, both, yeah. You, but you get the you get that kind of deserty, not a lot of green. You could just feel the dry wind. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes for a it makes for a naturally gritty feeling film. Yes. Um, and the way it's shot too, and the fact that. The fact that no one, like no one in this movie, except you know the women are, they did uh, cast a lot of very beautiful women, but they didn't overly make them look beautiful. And all the key actors, like all the lead actors, are not conventionally attractive people. So like they all are very distinct looking faces. Like I could easily, I was easily able to tell who was who. Then in like these modern films where everyone is super hot and just like, right. I don't know which white guy's, which like, which hot, <laughs> which hot guy is yeah. like, that was, Jesus Christ. The seventies was very much about that. You could have some, some people who looked non-conventional, 
Um, yeah. You know, like Donald Sutherland, you were talking, you know, talking about who become a big movie star or Walter Matthau, you know, it's, it was possible and, back then, y'all. Yeah. I would have had a shot, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah I think I would have. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if I had, if I had gotten acting in the seventies, I would have so played bad guys every time. Like that seems like so much more fun. Yeah. Just being some it's asshole like, bad guy, the villain. Yeah, you, you know, tough guy number three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. But uh, I, yeah, so they they get they get away. They get to uh, they get to to Charlie's little kind of RV that he has. Get all yeah. the money out, and they realize they got a shitload more money. Like a oh, fucking well, nearly one thing. Okay, if I sorry to talk. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, they introduce one of my favorite characters here. Charlie's neighbor. Yes. And, Super horny. Yeah, the horny old lady. You know, it's like the whole thing. She's like talking about how, well, I won't take my milk in until the milkman leaves because I think he wants to assault me. And, you know, it's like, and she's like, the whole thing is like, she's a hundred years old, but you can tell this is a horny old lady. <laughs> yeah, dude. He wants some of that sour milk, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he he wants that dust milk, you know? It's that powdered milk yeah. that comes out of them old... <laughs> But it's but it is kind of cool from the start. Like when Charlie walks up the door, he yells, "Hey, Nadine, we're home!" Because he knows the neighbor is watching, and so he's yes. like trying to set up the thing that uh, he's starting with his cover story already. Yeah, it doesn't take long to realize uh, as the viewer that that Charlie is a very calculated person and is. He's way smarter than people realize he is, and as you watch the film, a lot of times that comes in handy for him. Because yeah. people are always thinking they're taking advantage of him, when in his back of his mind he's like, ah, nah, this is just a this is just a little blip in my plan. So yeah. here's your fucking money. Because throughout the whole movie, like people are just charging him up the wazoo, and he's like, I don't give a shit. I just need this to happen. So like, get this shit going. But yeah, they quickly realize they got way too much fucking money. And Charlie, being as smart as he is, is like he kind of connects the dots. He's like, this got to be a drop off. This has to yeah. be a drop off type bank that's holding basically for laundering purposes, like mafia yeah. money. They thought they were going to have $3,000 or something. They got $750,000. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't have, I remember in my head, I wanted to check for inflation purposes, how much that would be now, but I'm sure that is. It's about $5 million. <laughs> oh, you checked? Yeah. <laughs> Five million. Oh my God. I would, I would, it's so funny because you want to celebrate it at the same time. You just can't, you can't take that much money and they're just going to be like, well, God, they outsmarted us. And, and that's what Charlie says right from the start. No. It's like, this is, this is messed up. This is mafia money and the mafia doesn't stop. And they're going to kill us to make an example of us. Yeah. So we can't spend any of this money for like four or five years. And it's so smart for him to have thought that, you know, it, but Harmon is just, he's tired of being, basically trash like he's he's yeah. ready for that rich white life and he wants to go gambling and get bitches and um yeah. i honestly thought like at this I, I i thought like oh charlie might just kill this guy but you know it, it comes into play later but i was just like how much is he gonna because he seemed like such a liability for whatever yeah. well that's the thing is, is like from this point you realize Harmon has a drinking problem yeah. and and it and it seems like at this point charlie decides Harmon's a liability Yep. He's like, he's useful for robbing banks, but he ain't useful for getting away with uh, a lot of money from the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> he's too stupid, too ra irrational. 
Uh, he's young. I think he he, yeah. he looks like he's supposed to be about in his twenties, like twenty four or something like that. So he's yeah. young and dumb. But uh, this is around the time where we were introduced to one of my favorite characters, John Vernon's uh, Maynard Boyle. Yeah, and he I think he's one of my favorite characters. Like he is just he the way he carries himself in this film is amazing. Like I I would I would imagine for a lot of people, John Baker's character Molly, which is by the way the best name for a character. <laughs> Or a yeah, my character. This comes. This For is like up guy. there with. Uh, yeah, this is up there with Jules. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with man. Pulp Fiction, it's up there with Jules. I always thought Jules was a hilarious name for a hitman, but Molly's got to take the cake. And yeah, so uh, Boyle, he's like, okay, well, we got to get this fucking money back. Obviously, there's something fishy's going on. So he basically calls out to his guys and is like, "This is the situation. This is what's going on. We need to get this fucking money." Start doing your your searching now, and and Boyle hears. Um, I'm sorry, Molly hears this, and he goes to meet up uh, with uh, with. Uh, I think he's. I think it looks like he's ahead of the the mafia for. I'm not sure if it's uh, chi- Chinese mafia or something. Yeah, but... he goes. He goes to meet up with Honest John, who's a, Honest John. Yeah, yeah, at a Chinese restaurant, and it's it'll, it's funny because John Vernon quickly realizes the only people who knew that the money was in the bank were me and the bank manager. So they're going to think I'm involved. (laughs) And so we need to find this right now. And so he he contacts Molly to go uh, and he sends him to honest shot. And I like this scene because, you know, when Molly walks in the Chinese restaurant, which is honest John's uh, uh, headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the hostess of the restaurant meets him and she's speaking in broken English like, oh, you know, like very, you know, kind of pigeon English. And as soon yeah. as he says, hey, I'm Molly, I'm here for Honest John, she instantly has perfect English yeah, to talk to. Yeah, great full American accent. Like, she was born yeah. in football. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah, let's come on down. Let's go meet him. <laughs> yeah, I love that bit. I thought that was so perfect. It's yeah. Like, it's, it's such a good cover-up, man. I love that shit. But, yeah, they go into this basement. It's a, Of course, it's a gambling ring. And um, I love how they introduce. Uh, was it honest? Would you say honest? Honest John. Honest John. I like how they introduce yeah. Honest John because he right away you get you you learn so much about his character without really him having to say much. You got a guy who lost to gambling and he's all pissed off at Honest John and he just kind of laughs at him like, "Yeah, I got another one." Yeah. Like <laughs> he's obviously in the business of getting a lot of money from people that don't really have enough money to be giving them. <laughs> giving right to him. and. And that's one of those things you touched on earlier. This movie does well. Is like there's there's no real overt exposition. You're learning all these things, but through the characters by what they do. Yes, it feels real. Like it feels really real because you don't you don't get so much exposition. You you're sort of you're in Molly's position of you know coming in and talking to this guy, and you're just sort of looking at this environment. I love how the camera always kind of pans around to give you an idea of the environment and the space of the room. And um, they end up going to Honest John's office, and he he wants to pay him basically to go get the money. But I think doesn't Molly sort of at first he's like no because I I, I forgot what it was. He he sort of like he, is it because he kind of thinks that this might be some kind of uh, inside job situation or something. And he kind of convinces honest John about it or something like that. Yeah. That right, right from the start, they also realized what John Vernon realized that only John Vernon and the bank manager knew about this. Yeah. And so that it's, it's the, and they said the money was only going to be there for like two days. And so like the two days, all this mafia money happens to be in the bank is, are the days it happens to get robbed. Yeah. And they're like, 
it's too much of a coincidence for them. And I, I would agree. It's it, it, it was just yeah. a coincidence, which is we know that. But if we were there, we'd also feel like, oh, something went down. Like, this is some bullshit. Yeah. And so, like, Molly gets uh, – the way he gets his ride is he has to go get a repossessed vehicle. We get this really weird scene where the this little black kid is crying because <laughs> his puppy died or some shit. I don't know what happened, but I just remember the dad says something like, don't worry, I'll get you another puppy. So I guess that puppy got bit by a rattlesnake yeah. or some shit, some fucking New Mexico rattlesnake. And uh, right away, Molly's going toward the, toward this man's car to go confiscate it. The, the man comes out, talks some shit to him. And this is when we find out Molly has one hell of a right hook, especially even in a full suit with a pipe in yeah. his mouth and a hat on. He just kicks ass and he just whoops his guy's ass. I, I hundred percent thought he was going to say the N word. He doesn't. So kudos to Molly for that. Yeah. He gets pretty close to it, but he gets doesn't pretty say close it. To it. <laughs> gets pretty close to it, but he gets in his car. He takes the car and uh, he goes over to, I know, um, he goes over to that space because basically honest uh honest John gave him a, a space to go to. So we'll we'll eventually meet up with with uh, Molly there. Harmon is just he's stupid and he's just like, Can't you just fly us out? Can't we just do that? And yeah. Charlie tells him, Well, I gotta go I gotta go get the dental records because they're gonna be able to match uh his wife's dental de- Anita Anita's uh, dental Nadine. records. Nadine. Nadine. Yeah, I'm gonna get Anita. Nadine's <laughs> dental records. And they're gonna have to go switch it out. And he just, I love that they don't need to show how he got into the dentist's office. He's just opening a door. (laughs) He's just in the dentist's office now. (laughs) Fuck all that shit. We got a movie to make. And And, uh, it's so interesting how that goes. But I loved it. Like, don't waste my time. And so he steals uh, Nadine's records so that the police, when they find her body that he burned up, they won't be able to tell who it was. But this is the point where he puts his plan in motion. It's like, well... Harmon's going to die, and I'm going to use that to my benefit because yep. he, he swaps his dental records with uh, Harmon's. Yeah, exactly. He's genius, man. So he yeah. does that. Because at, at some point, somebody's going to find Harmon's body, and they're going to think it's him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, he's so fucking, so fucking smart. And so then Molly arrives at, at this kind of a brothel uh, with, with yeah. some uh, very – Honestly, very nice, sweet uh, sex workers. Uh, he's 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 okay. welcomed by them, but one of them calls him Sal- Sally accidentally. He's like, "My name's Molly." She's like, "Whatever." If you got a bell, we'll ring it. And all the girls start laughing. He's like, "I'm not here for jokes, bitches!" Like he gets all pissed <laughs> off. He's such a sourpuss, man. Like, geez, they're just trying to have a little fun, but that's not yeah. Molly's thing. Uh, like I said, very no country for old men. Like, just doesn't have any room for humor or anything like that. If he's laughing, it's because he's beating the shit out of someone and you're squirming a little funny or something. Yeah, you know, he's that, that kind and, of guy. Yeah, and that was the Mustang Ranch. Uh, apparently, that was what the Mustang Ranch looked like in the early 70s. Holy shit. It looks like a fucking, like, they got a whole gate and shit. They got a, you, you just can't get in there willy nilly. You got to really yeah. uh, be expected to come by. You have a reservation and some shit, you know. <laughs> um, and so he goes in there, and uh, he's gonna have room and board there, which is really, really nice. No, he doesn't have to pay for anything. They offer one of their high class, uh, most uh, prettiest sex workers they got, and he's like, "I don't sleep with whores, uh, at least not knowingly, anyway." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she takes that personal, man. She looked like she was about to kick yeah. him in the fucking mouth, but. 
But that's the thing. He's an interesting guy. It's like he has this code of like yeah. that he lives by. He has a set of, of rules. Yeah, I was kind of waiting. I didn't know if they were going to go religious route with him, but no, it's just his own personal set of rules. It has nothing to do with religion. It's just he has his in the way his crazy because he's a psychopath. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, completely. <laughs> so his old twisted mind. He's got these rules. It's so. It's so captivating. Jodon Baker, man, he just plays that kind of brute um, who who kind of has at the same time uh, a silver tongue and he's very sharp. You know, he's not just a dumb brute, you know, like he yeah. he really knows how to bring somebody down with just a few words. Uh, it's it's, yeah. it's great. Um, whoever which, like the writing for it's great, which makes him scary. Yeah, it does. He, he's not going to say too much. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. have to. Yeah, it's so good. And so then we get uh, – I love seeing Harmon freak out because he wakes – because he got fucking shit-faced uh, the night before. And so he wakes up. He doesn't find the money. He's freaking out, figuring that Charlie took the money and left. And he gets a, he talks to the old lady, and the old lady's like, oh, he left. Yeah, he left earlier this morning, yeah. whatever. But then he hears the phone ring. By the way, phones back then, pretty fucking loud. Holy shit, because <laughs> he hears that shit from like <laughs> – Two miles away, it felt yeah. like, like, God damn. Those rotary phones had a fucking bell on them. Uh, by the way, he does call Charlie when they're having one of their arguments. He calls him a Jimmy Dick, I think, or something like that. Didn't know that was a, a bad term. I'm glad you, because I wrote, I had that in my notes and I couldn't remember what it meant. What the hell is a Jimmy Dick? <laughs> I thought maybe like you have the dick of Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, maybe it's, it's a Jimmy like, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, but I have it in my notes. It's like, I don't remember why I wrote that. <laughs> it's like, Yeah, he calls him that at some point, and it did stick in my mind, too. I was just like, what the hell is that? He, he's he's a piece of shit anyway. Who cares? But he goes, he gets on the he gets on the phone. It's it's Charlie Varick on the on the pay phone. And he tells him, yeah, remember I told you I was going to go get something for the airplane that he needed or something like that. He made a, it's some part that he needed, but he actually um, – Fuel tank. He, uh, fuel yeah, fuel tank. Yeah. That's right. And he tells him that uh, – he put the money in a very safe place. He doesn't want to tell him where the phone. God, he's he's just he's just he's just pulling the strings, man. Yeah. Charlie Varix is pulling the strings. And it, and it's I interesting. Yeah, and you don't know that he's pulling the strings. At least I didn't. At least until your second watching. You yeah, know, cause yeah, yeah. Because everything he's doing, there's they're not explaining it, but you watch it a second time. It's like, oh, he's already he's putting his plan in motion from the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As the viewer, the first time you're just kind of like, what is he? What? Like you're kind of, you're getting puzzle pieces, but you don't know how they're fitting together yet. You're yeah. just like, okay. So he, cause then he goes and he meets up with his old man in the shop. And apparently the guy that died, uh, he had a connection and he goes to this connection to hopefully get some passports for, for him and Harmon. Yeah. Uh, he, I love the exchange where this guy is like, you know, and he's already playing kind of like shitty. He's, he's sort of like, who's this guy? Is he like handsome and tall? And he's like, no, he's short and ugly, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff. I like that he he charges him five hundred, and Charles like, yeesh, that's a little much for what we're doing here. He's like, oh, well, now it's six hundred. If you want to, if you want to bargain, yeah. go buy a carpet or something like that. <laughs> Which is genius. So uh, he gets him the connection. It's crazy. He pays this guy a shitload of money for a business card. Right. Of the, uh, he doesn't make the passports. He pays him six hundred bucks, which is a fuckload back then. 
just to get yeah. a, a name of somebody who will make a passport for him. Then he's got to pay that broad a shitload of money. Jesus. Christ. Yeah. I don't know why it's because I'm such like a, I know he's got a shitload of money right now. Um, but at the because I don't think he's using the dirty. I don't think he's using the mafia money. He's using whatever he's got from other jobs, probably, yeah. or maybe he skimmed a little. I don't know, but um, just the amount that they're charging him, it was bothering me after a while. I was like, come on, <laughs> yeah, man. like Jesus, it's an economy. We gotta. Everybody's trying to, to get their piece. I guess so. Yeah, and so he goes to that guy, um, Honest John. He calls. Uh, he he uh, he calls Molly. And uh, he tells him about that gun shop dude. He um, he also tells him that um, Boyle's gonna that Boyle's coming through and he lets him know where he's staying. So now we got Boyle coming in to investigate what's going on. He obviously wants to talk to to his bank manager and see see what's happening there. So it's a it's a whole thing. And Charlie goes in to get his passport photo. And I I really like this lady by the way. She's awesome. Yeah. I don't know the actress's name. I think she was like pretty well known at that time. Sherry North. Um, Sherry North. She was uh, Kramer's mom on Seinfeld. That's Holy what I know her from. Yeah. That is deep. That yeah. is a deep cut. <laughs> oh, I'm like trying to like dig into the fucking files of my brain, and I I'm like, oh my god, Kramer had a mom. Yeah. So yes, he goes and he meets up with her. And she is just a stickler. She charges him up the ass for uh, the last minute passports because he needs them by the next day. And she's like, oh, I'll get them to you by midnight. So they make that deal. Pays her a shitload of fucking money. I love the way it ends where he's like, can I get one of these suckers? She's like, that'll be $500. Yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> charges him for everything. <laughs> I like how he throws it back in the little basket. He's just like, fucking shit. Yeah. He's so good. He has such a dry delivery, man, but it works. It just works. It's because this movie, like this movie doesn't really have any jokes in it. It's just acting. It's just yeah. like, Walter Matthau's ability to act like in a humorous way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. There, there are no written jokes. It's just how he do, he goes through life in this yes. movie. Him reacting to people, how, how they treat him. And, and like him reacting to it, it's what makes it so funny. Like, it's amazing. And, and I like that because I feel like none of these movies are as good without having a couple of little moments of like lightness. Yes. You know, because a movie like, altogether, it's a, it's a dark kind of. Yeah, this could thing. get this could get grim. If, if... Yeah, totally, totally grim. And yeah, can you imagine like if Charles Bronson had played this role and, you know, it's like his wife gets killed in the beginning, it, it would be a very different movie. <laughs> oh <my God>. Yeah, <laughs> he would have, oh my God, everyone would have died in Tres Cruces New Mexico. Yeah. He's like, just not the children, but everyone else yeah. is going to die. But uh, I do, I do love the scene because we do get the, we do get that brief scene, which is really weird where, where Boyle goes to, to the bank and He's like, hey, I I own the company. I'm I'm part of the company that owns this branch, and I want to speak to Harold. And it turns out now that the DA's involved, he has to go through the DA to reach out to Harold. And he they go in to get him. He's kind of pissed off about it because like, what the fuck? I'm like one of the most important people in part of this company. But you're, okay, yeah. I'll wait. He just goes to like talk to a little girl. Like yeah. the '70s were different, bro. Well, in fact, and, the little girl invites him over. Yeah, and he pushes her on the swing, and it's like you know, and she's got a cat, which I didn't notice till the second time because I didn't even notice he mentioned her cat. She kind of blends in with her, and I was yeah. like, "Oh fuck, she is holding a cat." 
was like, I've never seen a cat so chill with like being held and like you're on a swing and shit. And so weird. Like, I just did not expect that scene. <clears throat> I'm like, are they trying to humanize him? Because uh, Vernon just looks so mean. Like, he has resting mean face. I was thinking that it was supposed to make, like, you know he's a villain. And I think it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Because it's like, he's with a child. I know that he's a bad guy. And... Yeah. <clears throat> It did make me uncomfortable. So yeah, that, it, it that it's supposed to make you just—it's like—is he going to do something to her? Is he going to do something to her? Yeah, um, exactly. It, it is super creepy. But eventually, they they talk to him, and I love that he can't remember Garfinkel's name. Like yeah. he like fucks it up twice. He calls him Finkel, and he's like yeah. uh, Garfinkel. He's like, all right. But then uh, in the we get the scene. Honestly, it's—I think it's probably one of my top three favorite scenes and there's a lot of good scenes in this film but one of my top scenes is the one that takes place between Boyle and Harold within the cow pasture yes it's a long scene too I'm not sure I'm not sure there were cuts but it felt like there weren't cuts and if there were they were very well placed and it's actually because of this scene is the first time I ever um, saw this movie was because I read something about this scene Um, oh really yeah, in it, uh, he, uh, whatever John Vernon's character's name is, is telling oh, the bank manager, boy. yes, is uh, telling the bank manager that, um, you know, what's going to, I believe you, I know that you're weak and I know that you didn't do anything, but, but the mob guys like Molly, they're not going to believe that. And they're going to work you over um, with a, with uh, a pair of pliers and a blowtorch. And that is the line from Pulp Fiction that um, Marcellus Wallace says that I'm going to get. And so Quentin Tarantino. Your ass and all that. Yeah, stole the line from this movie. And wow. so when I when I read about that, I was like, well, I need to go see that movie. And that's how I, that's how I found Charlie Barrett for the first time. Holy shit, man. I did not even catch that connection, but that's a great connection. Yes, yeah. the that whole scene. And it, it, it's... It's so crazy to see such a to to witness such a dark interaction because you know Harold is terrified for his life. He's yeah. he's grown a good, you know he's he's uh, basically developed into like a community member there and has has grown to love Thres Cruz says yeah. and um, he's just an innocent bystander of chaos of of, of yeah. these things he couldn't control and because he's such a timid man, he yeah. basically let uh, he let Charlie just railroad his ass into giving him every single cent he had. I'm sorry, man. Like I would have rather gotten shot in the face than give him that mafia money, but (laughs) what are you going to do? Everyone has a different, uh, you know, and the whole time John Vernon is talking to him, he's sitting there looking at the cows. Yes, saying, you know, it's, it's all it's like, pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, wouldn't you like to be a cow? You know, just eating yeah. grass and and you know having sex with another cow? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> <laughs> just got like I think he says something like, "The only thing that will fuck you over is if the titty machine breaks, like the little titty yeah. sucking machine." <laughs> yes. If you get electrocuted by it. Yeah. It, it's such a it's a scene that has like weird jokes, like Vernon just. Yeah owns it like he just yeah. owns it it's so good i loved it so anyway um they go they and by the way when they leave that scene i'm i am i was already kind of thinking like the bank manager might do something yeah. you know so i was not that shocked when it happened i was kind of just waiting it's a better time or either thought that was gonna happen i thought he was gonna off himself or i thought he's gonna get killed very soon one of the two right you know 
I he's, not long, he's not long for this world. Exactly. I was just waiting for that moment. Mm. Um, that uh, Then we get a scene where Molly breaks in. By the way, it's really weird because he breaks into Passport Lady's uh, a place, but she doesn't react at all. It's like she was expecting yeah. him to come through. And it's so weird. And so she gives him, like, all the information without fighting at all. Like, she just he has some... Um, Molly has like a his reputation precedes him, I guess, because everyone seems to kind of know who he is or they've heard of him if he right. mentions his name. And he's not someone to fuck with. Yeah. yeah, everyone knows that. So except for the old man, he does talk to the old man. That's how he finds out this lady's place because the old man plays hard. To, he tries to tell him, like, hey, this isn't a goodwill situation. Like, you need to give me some money. Yeah. He pushes that old man off that wheelchair, like with one arm, just like he does yeah, like just- a fucking force throw. <laughs> Pushes him back against the wall in the wheelchair. It's like it's so sad to see this little old guy who's like probably a veteran. He's just yeah. like on the floor, like he's like, oh, like he can't but get it up. Te- but it tells you everything you need to know about his character. He does not give a fuck. I don't give a shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so great. Uh, so yeah, Molly finds out about the fact that um, Charlie's going to want to be picking up those passports at midnight. So he, now he has that information. So he. Um, Molly goes to to Charlie's trailer, and this is yeah. Uh, yeah. He, now he knows things. his name and everything. Yes, he knows yeah. his name. He's got all of his information. He goes over to Charlie's trailer. Stupid ass Harvin's there, of course, and he convinces him to open the door by pretending that he's a guy that wants to. He wants the crop dusting service, and he's not going to be able to like. He just wants to give him his information, so he opens the door. And he just right away. I mean, that scene, and it's such a tight scene because they're in this little RV space. Yeah. I don't know if that's a set or not, but um, I, I don't think it is. <laughs> and like, it's amazing that they're able to shoot so much action in such a small little area, and he just beats the fuck out of Harmon. Like, holy shit! Yeah, it just works him over. <laughs> he's like his ribs are hurting. Like now, you're seeing Harmon. Like he's been completely weakened. Like he was this big shot son of a bitch. Just gunslinger wild kid and now talking tough yep now he's crying and holding on to his ribs and he tells him something that like um he t- he mentions his id that that i think he mentions that charlie has his id or something like that and right um, Harmon wants to go and get get his wallet to show him like he's not you know who he is or something like that he wants to like basically just show him like i'm telling the truth blah 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 and yeah he grabs his wallet. The ID's not there. And that scene, that part where he grabs, he uh, where Molly grabs uh, Harlan uh, Harmon's hair and he pulls him so hard that he makes him do a somersault. So that was fucking yeah. amazing. <laughs> that caught me off guard. I was like, "Whoa, shit! <laughs> he just fucking yeah. somersaulted, son of a bitch!" By his head. After that, Charlie ends up going back. He sees Molly leave, and he goes back yeah. into the RV. And we see. So uh, apparently, Charlie's been watching. He like yeah, Charlie. Just... He's he kind of staked out outside, and so apparently, Charlie was new, kind of anticipated this was going to happen. You know, yeah, but... I don't know how long he had to wait, but I think he knew this Molly guy is gonna he's gonna hard you know she's gonna find the old man easily, and that old man's and... gonna give him money. And so that, yeah, that's the thing is you realize that Charlie's been leaving breadcrumbs to like lead people in the direction he wants them to go. Yeah, dude. He wants to lead them to Harmon. And it's a good way to make people more. It's a good way to, if you have a plan, it's a good way to make the situation a little bit more predictable. You know how these men work already. So it, yeah, you're right. It's just putting little breadcrumbs, but it's, it's doing it in a way where they don't realize that's what you're doing. 
Right. You they know? think they're outsmarting you. They think they're figuring it out. And- yeah. And it helps that they don't know him. Like Charlie has done a great job of really never he's kind of always seems like a guy that's kept to himself. He's not some notorious crime Lord. He's a guy that's been trying trying to get his little share of money. It looks like he's been doing this for a little bit. Yeah. And this just ended up being the, this a coincidence that he just got looped into. So now he, he's really having to put all his smarts up to play. So it is kind of cool. It's, it's amazing to see how he's putting this all together. He sees, uh, of course he's Harmon and he's all fucking dead. Yeah. (laughs) Dead as a doorknob. He's got great dead face too, man. This guy yeah. is fantastic. It's it's crazy. And uh, I think Charlie he tells him something. I can't remember. I couldn't hear it, but he kind of whispers something to him. I'm not sure what he says. It's like rest in peace, fuck face. I don't know. I don't. I didn't write anything down. I don't know. I'm not sure what he tells him there, but yeah. Um, they go from there. Um, what happens after that? Do we get the weird sex scene with Molly and the passport lady? Yeah, yeah. Molly goes. <laughs> Molly goes back to the photographer. <laughs> it's so funny dude like it's one of the weirdest things like he just asks for a beer or she offers him one and he goes yeah. to the kitchen and she's you know face down ass up like digging in for that miller light in the fridge and he all like i don't know i thought for some reason i thought molly was just one of those guys that like whips himself in the back and just never has yeah. sex you know but i guess he does because that turns him on and uh, of course he's like one of those weird abusive fucking yeah. 50 shades of gray kind of sex guy and he just whacks the shit out of her face and then and she, she just likes... puts her arm around him yeah that's... you know what guy wrote this shit yeah you smack her in the yeah. face she'll think you're a man uh you yeah. know come bang me now but yeah he... <laughs> she gives him that like you you bad boy <laughs> yeah it's... yeah it's really weird and then he just closes the door and he kind of looks at the camera <laughs> He kind of like looks at the camera. He almost gave it a wink and shit. I'm like, yeah. all right, there we go. Good, good job, Molly. Get your. I think after all that beating of Harmon, he was just ready to, you know, blow he, someone's yeah. back out. <laughs> he's worked himself up. Yeah, he's worked himself up. Oh man, uh, you think they took photos? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Bring in the camera. Why not? Let's get some shots. And. From there, uh, the cops end up surrounding Charlie's place, and it's useless. Uh, there, it's actually this is one of the funnier moments of the film because, like, like we were mentioning, the cops look like dumb assholes, and so they rush into the trailer. And the old lady just, I guess, doesn't give a fuck about possibly getting shot. She just yeah. works away into the crowd of cops. It's like I told, I would have told you he wasn't here. You stupid bitch. Yeah. And, you know, she sits on her porch watching them. You know, like, like this is the most interesting thing that's happened to her in years. Yeah. And just watches the cops go in and raid his uh, trailer. And this is mad accurate, too. Like, everyone has that neighbor that yeah. will just park themselves on the porch and just watch the cops go arrest somebody or watch a domestic abuse situation. They're just like, oh, look at that happening. Cool. <laughs> yes. That's the worst. Those people suck. Um. Uh, so then after all that, uh, Charlie tries to get a hold of Boyle, but um, he ends up speaking to the beautiful and cunning oh. Miss Fort. He also, and this is another thing that uh, if I can, <laughs> a scene that I thought was funny, just uh, Charlie, he stops to buy um, some dynamite. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that little scene. Yeah, that was hey, right. He, he buys the dynamite, and the guy at the counter says, hey, can I ask what you're buying the dynamite for? And he says, yes, you certainly may, and closes the door and walks <laughs> out. <laughs> and may we add here what a big part 
this movie has two like you know it's something that i normally don't like especially in modern film i don't mind it so much in these movies where a character has like a like a thing that they're doing like you might have a character that's always smoking or he's always right. chewing gum or he's always he's eating an apple or some shit during a scene that shit annoys the fuck out of me but for some reason it really works with walter Bathal's character he's always chewing gum and it makes yeah. when he's talking sound even funnier because like yeah you may a lot of time writing you know, it's like oh we'll give him this affectation instead yeah, of like- instead of instead of writing a character we'll just yes. give him this thing and but for for this character, it's just it's like his nervous energy or something. He's always yes. popping a piece of gum in his mouth, and he does come across as kind of neurotic. So I would I'm not shocked that he's someone that that needs to. I'm actually I I suffer from some uh, social anxiety issues, and so I actually can't chew gum because when I chew gum, I'll chew it so much, so fast, so like that my jaw will lock up at night. Yeah, so I'm a hard mint guy all the way. Bring on the Altoids, baby. So, you know, one thing is I think that, you know, Charlie Farrick is very controlled and everything is working, but that is kind of revealing. He's got some inner tension going on. Yes, he does. Yes. There's a lot. He's like a duck, you know? He's got the looking chill as fuck above water, but under the water, he's like, these little patitas are going real quick, you know? And then the other thing is Molly always has this pipe, this smoker pipe smoking pipe with yeah. him and that's kind of his bit like he's always emptying it out and refilling it and, yeah. but it works like it makes him look kind of cool yeah. <laughs> it's just so weird to see a guy with a pipe just out in the open like i always imagine a pipe is more of an indoor thing like you're by the fireplace yeah. and you know but uh he's just walking around with it willy-nilly he's like having a big old dick in your mouth all day <laughs> um it's <laughs> And nobody's going to say anything to him about it. <laughs> exactly. He could walk around with a big dick in his mouth. And nobody, yeah. would, everybody would be afraid. Like, hey, that's a great dick in your mouth there, sir. Yeah. Um, and so. Mr. Mr. Molly, Ford. sir. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Molly, sir. You really don't want to take it down. Uh, but yeah, I love Miss Fort, by the way. She's the executive yeah. assistant for Boyle. And she's very proper. And, um, and she, I think. He calls her. It's like it's just sort of the later latter part of the film. This is definitely kind of um, heading to the the last portion of it. And he calls her. She she says he's not available. So then he ends up sneaking. He gets her flowers. So for did he get her flowers? So that way he would know that. So what he did was he (laughs) gets her flowers. He 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 knew where boy like he knew where the the office of this bank was like where the, the home office was, but he didn't know who Boyle was. He didn't know. I mean, he can and he, he had to figure out who was in oh, charge. He figured out this boy. And then he had before to you can just get someone's face on the internet. So he's exactly. like, I don't, know who so she then, lo- I don't know what she looks like. And so what he does is he goes and he buys a bunch of flowers and leaves them with the doorman and says, these are Miss for Miss Fort. Because he had talked to her on the phone, but he didn't know who she was. So he just waited to look and to see when the doorman would. So Tim Yobo gave her. Gave her... Exactly. <laughs> Tim Yobo gave her some flowers. And Tim now... Yobo could have helped so many people kill other people without yeah. knowing. Not, it's not yeah. his fault. Like he doesn't know, but he could have. But I love that. Could have. <laughs> Probably has. But yeah. yeah, like it is New York. And I do love that, like, Charlie Varick's character, we don't get to see it at all, but I would like the uh, the director's cut where we're just watching him sit in a car chewing gum for, like, half an hour, just yeah. waiting for these flowers to get picked up. But, yes, he ends up following her to her apartment, 
I love how he breaks in. It's the least like aggressive way to break into oh. someone's apartment. He's just like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to startle you there. Yeah. <laughs> but he does say, but if you don't do what I say, I will throw you off that balcony. So yeah. she's like, I'm not afraid of you, you sexy fucking man. You, you weird, wrinkly, sexy boy. Now, you know, one thing that's kind of fun, the actress that plays um, Ms. Fort yeah. is, is Jack Lemon's wife. So that's Walter Matthau's good friend's wife. Weird. <laughs> yes. Whoa. It's like, hey, it's like call up your friend. Hey, buddy, I'm, I'm getting your wife a job in this movie I'm doing, but she's got to fuck me. And so that's yeah, gonna, I'm gonna bang her though in like every direction of the compass, kind of bang. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, that's the bit in this part. This is basically a porno scene without any real sex. Um, it's like half porno, half James Bond, which James yeah. Bond is a lot of pretty much porno, softcore porn scenes. Yeah. But it's so weird because she ends up getting him. She gets him in touch with Boyle. Uh, Boyle's like, it's so great to hear your voice, uh, Miss Fort. She can tell they fucked. And yeah. um, by the way. We do notice she has uh, John Vernon's uh, fucking f- a photo acting. What's it? What do you call it? Your audition photo. Or headshot. Whatever. Headshot. She's, she's got his headshot on her bedside. Like I'm like, what yeah. the fuck is going on here? But whatever, I'll, I'll let that go. But uh, so, yeah, she's a kept woman apparently. And... Apparently, and so she gets a, she gets him in touch with Boyle. He lets Boyle know, hey. Uh, I want to give this money back. Let's exchange it. But you can't bring that fucking muscle maniac Molly over with this weird sex stuff. Yeah. Keep this guy away. I just want to exchange the money with you. We'll meet in this this junkyard. Yeah, there, there's an airstrip next to a junkyard. Yes, uh, it's just perfect. And it's actually, I, it, I think it's an area he's well familiar with, uh, Charlie is. Yeah. Um, so it was smart for him to pick a place where he knows the space. So one thing, little throwaway scene. Uh, before he goes to Miss Fort, uh, when when he's he flies her in his in his uh, in his crop duster, and as he's getting about to get in the plane, he's getting dressed and he looks at his uh, wrist to see what time it is, and his watch is gone. And it's just a little throwaway scene that's going to be important later. Oh yeah. I didn't. I did connect. I would have had to watch it three times to notice that. Well, I just caught Bobby. that the last last time I watched it. <laughs> uh, that's one of the. That's the third watch notice for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it took me two watches just to notice that a bitch had a cat in her lap. Yeah. Uh, so, well, not a bitch. It was a girl. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Well, I damn, Dan, I've got to leave down here. If you're if you're gonna be like that, I, I, I can't. <laughs> little bitch kid. Yeah. No, uh, well, I mean, she really is stupid. Asking a guy that looks like John Vernon to come over here and push you on a swing, <laughs> crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> so, yeah. So he he speaks to Boyle. Then, like, they get off the phone because now this is all happening in the morning. Now we can finally rest. Yeah. And he noticed that she has a circular bed, like Shaquille O'Neal's bed. Apparently, Shaquille O'Neal has like a giant fucking circular bed, and. He's like, oh, I've never slept on one of those. It'd be nice to sleep on one of those. And I think he mentioned something about the compass. Is it he the one that mentions the compass or she does? I can't remember. I think it's him. No, first they, so apparently they have, you know, relations. And then it's it's later after this has happened, they're talking in bed. And they've talked, and he, they kind of mentioned, well, we've gone north, we've gone south and all this. Like, yeah. And south well, by Southwest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, oh yeah, we need to. I want to box the compass. Or no, he's he's comparing it to a compass and basically implies I'm gonna I want to do it in every direction on your bit. And it's like, 
you, you're getting the Walter Matthau porn you never knew you wanted. <laughs> uh, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it. I don't care how hot the chick is. I don't want to see Walter Matthau's butthole, dude. Uh, but luckily, we don't have to see it. It's it's all very PG, but um, it is cheeky and funny. Um, he's even kind of a cold dick to her for some reason, and she yeah. still thinks he's hot. He's got pink nipples, by the way. Who would have thought he's got pink nipples? <laughs> Um, so then they, they, he gets on his plane and, and this is sort of the big scene of the, the movie here. Um, what'd you think of the way this closes out? Cause you, you know, you get the, you get him coming into the plane, which by the way, watching Walter Matthau pilot piloting a plane, he looks so like, he's just chewing gum. He's just like, like he looks yeah. bored. Like he just yeah. like, it's hilarious but, to me. But you've got the the loose Walter, uh, Walter Matthau skin kind of flapping in the That's wind. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a Sharpe just flying yeah. a plane. It's fucking amazing, dude. I literally laughed out loud when they had the close-up of him in a plane chewing gum. I couldn't get over it. I rewinded it. I was like, oh, my God, dude, he looks hilarious. And um, – that's what this movie's so weird. Like you're supposed to like believe this guy's a fucking badass, and uh, I just love how he's the antithesis of it, but he's still kind of a badass at the same yeah. time. So he he, he he lands the plane, he comes out, and he you see that Molly is uh, he still came by because they do have a conversation right. about that where Vernon tells him like, "Hey, don't show up," and he's like, "All right, sure," but he could tell that he still was planning on showing up. And that's the thing is is Molly is aware that. Maybe John Vernon is in on this uh, because no one else knew. So he's suspicious of John Vernon. So even though he tells him not to show up, he kind of hides out in the junkyard and is watching. uh, Because Charlie tells Boyle to meet him at the end of the runway. So he's looking at him down the length of the runway. He's hidden in the the junkyard, junkyard. but he he, he sees Charlie Varick and, and Boyle meet up. And I don't think it was hard for Charlie to realize that that Molly was there because he has the nicest fucking car in a junkyard right. uh, that he's ever seen. He sticks out like he tries to hide, but it's like, bro, you're in a fucking cherry red fucking. <laughs> well, but that's actually I thought was kind of smart because he tells him to meet there. And so Molly, you know, if you're in a car, where do you hide? Well, I'll hide in the junkyard. Yeah. Well, yeah, because this is all in, in this is all in Charlie's favor because he wa- yeah. he knows he's going to want to go. But what Molly didn't know was that Charlie was going to fly over. You yeah, know, he so does a quick flyover. And so he looks down. It's like, well, that car doesn't belong there. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, okay, cool. He's here, and he he he. I, I don't know. I keep wanting to see he parks the airplane. He fucking lands the airplane. He gets out and he does. <laughs> He goes up to Boyle and he's like, hey, we fucking did it, dude. We're fucking winners, man. We got this money. These stupid suckers, pieces of shit, mafias. They don't know what they're doing over there. We Starts hugging him. Yeah. And, and John Bird is like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? But he's he's kind of making him smile a little bit because he's throwing him off. Like, right. what the hell, you know? And Who is this crazy like, guy? He's like rubbing his head and shit. Like, they, like they're old pals, basically. It's a great bit. And you just see fucking Molly's face, Jonah, uh, Don Baker. Like you just see his face fucking go like what? And then smile. And he's like, Oh, I get to, I, I caught him. I get to kill this son of a bitch. And he just races his car down the run, uh, down the runway. He runs into a couple of cars. Cause it is a junkyard. You know, it's, it's not exactly perfect lanes. Um, and that car can take a hit by the way. He fucking dragged another car with him. He barely even made a dent. He gets over there. Fucking Charlie just kind of pushes Boyle a little bit to kind of throw him off. Boyle not great at running away from a car. Well, one, he doesn't know Molly is there. 
And he doesn't. Two, he's kind of like, what? <laughs> and, he, and he hasn't put it together yet that it now looks like they're working together. Yeah, you know? it's a setup, you know? Yeah, he doesn't realize he's a, he's being set up. And he almost gets out, but he gets hit, dies on contact pretty much. And then and, and there goes Boyle. Bye, Boyle. Uh, you'll never swing another kid with a cat in her, in her lap ever again. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, so then he, uh, <laughs> he's dead. And then we have, I think for me, since Rambo 3, the first like ground vehicle versus flight vehicle battle uh, <laughs> that I've seen in quite a while. Yeah. And I think, you know, and one of the things I think that's going on is Charlie could take off if he wanted to. He like, could. He could. But uh, Molly doesn't. But Molly doesn't know exactly how the plane works, how much space he needs. So he keeps trying to ram into the plane, and you know, and Charlie's kind of. It turns out Charlie's kind of um, goading him. You yes. Know, it, it's all part of his plan that he's not taking. He's he's letting the car catch up to him. And he's bump- letting the car catch up. He's giving him that confidence of like, I think I can get this guy. I think yeah. I think I'm gonna fucking. I'm going to get this guy. And he does the trick that he said he would do uh, back in their circus, uh, air circus thing where he crashes the car, but he does it in a way where he's safe. You know, he crashes like, the plane. The, yeah, yeah, sorry. He crashes the plane. I don't know vehicles and, and flight things. Uh, yeah, he crashes the plane and he flips over. And even like, it's so funny. It's still entertainment because Molly goes, wow, <laughs> that was cool. I would do that. Yeah, it's like, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know if I could do that. <laughs> so it flips on its backside, and um, you know, you, you got Charlie just hanging out there, and he's doing his best performance of like, "Oh, don't kill me, man!" I'll, I'll My arm, I'm injured. Yeah. Uh, and he's like playing that like character. He's kind of trying to pull the uh, Harold guy, the bank manager character, playing all scared and shit. And Molly's right away like, "All right, well, let me see." And, you know, I could kill you right now, but he convinces him that he's got the money in this trunk of this vehicle. Just it's right there for you. Go get it. Of course, Molly's probably going to kill him once he gets the money. Yeah. You know, he's just toying with him. And because it's like he has a guy stuck in a in a barrel, you know, like he's not going to go anywhere. So he goes to the car. And what does he see, Robbie? Well, he goes, he opens the trunk and a light comes on in the trunk and and in the trunk is Harmon's body. Uh, the bags that the money was in when it was stolen, and uh, Harmon is wearing Charlie's suit. He's got on Charlie's watch and Charlie's wedding band. And they shoot. I mean, it's like a two seconds. It's, so it's such a fast cut scene. That's what I say. I didn't catch it until you know many viewings. It's like, oh, that's Charlie's watch. It's like the whole thing he, from the beginning. Charlie has planned this out that. The dental records are going to show that that's him. When they find Armin's body, they're going to think it's Charlie. And he's wearing his watch. He's got his wedding band. And it's and here's the bags of money we're in. It's it's a perfect frame. Yeah, he's basically baby feeding the cops and like, that's me dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's so genius, dude. And the explosion. I got to admit, I, I wasn't expecting a, quite as an effective kind of dummy shot. But yeah, yeah. you get this body that just like that shit it's so quick if you blink you miss it but man they just have this dummy just fly back um yeah. after that explosion which is supposed to be molly um and they do cut to molly who looks like a <laughs> he just looks like a burned hot dog like just yeah. stuck on the side of a car <laughs> they fucked him up good man i love that shit it was such a good 
very kind of Death Wish ending where at the end of every Death Wish, he just like totally fucks up the bad guy. It's, yeah, and it's annihilates him. Anni- like Death Wish 3 where he does like the rocket launcher and he just like yeah. fucking blows that guy up out of the apartment complex. Yeah. I love that fucking movie. And so so then no, so he's one. He's he's got it. He starts he throws some of the cash in there so it looks like the cash burned along with so the cash is gone. Yeah. Where he's trying to make it look like he, he um, puts enough in there that looks like it burned up, but not not a all. lot. Yeah, he yeah. maybe throws a, a, a thousand in there. Yeah. And uh and he he gets in this car, he's got all the money, bags it up, gets in there. Of course it doesn't start because it's <laughs> Walter Bathell, like nothing's yeah. ever going to be perfectly smooth for this guy. He's not, he's not smooth. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just sort of, I don't know, he's the Magoo of crime. Of, of, yeah. you know, he's like a Magoo criminal. It's so weird, yeah. but genius at the same time. And uh, he takes off and we, I love that it, it, the way the movie starts, it is the way it ends, which is the burning logo on the coverall with the flames engulfing it. It's really yeah. fucking cool. I love that, that little tail end of it. It's perfect. And that is the end of Charlie Varick, 1973, one hell of a fucking romp of a movie. But you are right though. It is amazing for a film that really does hold on to scenes for quite a while. That the end, they're just like, just like it, just that very end part. It closes out quick, but I, I felt like it was still a very satisfying ending. I had a good time with it. It, it was really well done because it's like there's a scene when he's in bed with the uh, Mrs. Fort. She notices that his wedding band is gone, and so like, and then earlier when he's getting in the plane, his watch was missing. It's like they lay it all out. The police go into his into his trailer, but they never show him finding Harmon's body. And so, yep. like, everything is laid out, and then they reveal it all at once. It's perfect, man. Like, it really is, like, the way they laid it out like that, and if you're sharp-eyed enough, like, I, I would have had to watch it again to, to see the, the I didn't notice that watch scene. I just did yeah. it. I saw it I didn't know, Yeah, I didn't, just this recent time, I, I caught that. Amazing, amazing, good catch. Well, as you know, I like to do a quick impression of the movies I cover, and this is a segment I like to go... Quick impressions. Quick impressions. <clears throat> Look at the set on that big brown one out there. Man, what a set of jugs. Thank you. <laughs> that, is, that is from the cow pasture scene when John Vernon's commenting on the big old titties on a cow. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were just looking out the window. (laughs) (laughs) That could have been. (laughs) That could have been. Well, as you know, I like to rate these movies by my favorite mustaches. You have the full Fu Manchu recommendation for Hell Yeah, the Walrus mustache recommendation for Pretty Damn Good, the uh, uh, Horseshoe mustache recommendation for Eh, Not Bad, and the dreaded Hitler mustache for Burn This Movie in Hell, and I'd never like to see it again. Robbie, how would you rate this film? You know, I don't do this very often, but I'm going to give this one a Fu Manchu. I really like this movie. It's a fun one for me uh, that I go to go back to pretty often, and I was really happy to share it with you. Hell yeah, dude. I, I know. I think you were excited because you're like, holy shit, I got one that really rang his bell. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that's just a little throwback to the to the sex worker scene. Um yeah, I give this movie the full Fu Manchu recommendation without hesitation. I'm going to give it the first watch, and I even I even want to give it more. I think it earned it even more the second watch because I was really able to take it in a little bit better. You do miss – like with these kind of movies, like these kind of thriller-type crime films, um, 
where it's there's a little bit of suspense mystery and stuff and there's these little details like the watch and stuff it's really difficult with what 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 i do with this podcast stuff because i'm always pausing it i'm always typing and so i think it does help to just watch this film without distraction and just really enjoy it for what it is and how the puzzle pieces all come together and i thought it was just such a very well directed film i think there's really not a part where i felt bored or like god this movie's long and it's not a short film it's not a really long one either but it's not short either but i just never felt it, I, there's nothing I would take out of it. Right. You know, um, if anything, I would have wanted even more stuff. Like, I think it's, it would have been fun. It's tight. It is tight. Yeah, they edited they edited this fucking shit perfect, man. Like, great camera work uh, for the time. Uh, really captures the grit of, of New Mexico and the grit of the story. Um, akin to No Country for Old Men, like you mentioned earlier. So, yeah, fully recommend this. If you haven't seen this movie, go check it out, people. God damn it, you stupid sons of bitches. What are you doing? Watching fucking Stranger Things like a piece of shit? Get your head out your ass. And what, I told someone earlier, I'm sorry, I was getting fired up there. Uh, I was telling someone earlier that I was like, watching Charlie Varick. Like, I, I, oh, they asked me, like, what movies have you seen lately? I was like, oh, I saw this Charlie Varick. It was really good, 1973. They're like, oh, I forget how alternative you are. What, I, that I watch a <laughs> film from the 70s? Like, okay. I forgot how much of a normie you are. Yeah. But, yeah, so anyway, uh, thanks so much, Robbie. I appreciate you being on the show. Um, I know you... You do podcasting. Uh, you do guests. You're like a professional. You're like the Vinny Testaverde of, of guest podcasting. You <laughs> pop around everywhere. Is there anywhere where anyone can check out your work, uh, your guest work on podcasts? Uh, I haven't done it. Well, uh, if you are a Patreon for the Grind Bin, I'm on a, uh, a mini bin. Just came out uh, this week. Um, uh, haven't What's did a cover? <laughs> Did a bonus episode for the Bloody Bits uh, not too long ago uh, on the menu, but I haven't I haven't done a lot lately. Uh, I need I need to step up the game. What'd you cover on the Patreon for the Grind Bin? Um, WMAC Masters is the one. That oh just came my out. god! Yeah, if y'all have not looked up, look up WMAC Masters. If you're into like wrestling, ninja shit, um, theater, <laughs> bad theater. Check out that show on YouTube. Uh, it is a hell of a show. And if you happen to be a Grind Bin podcast listener, you, you know, we've had Bobby and Mike on the podcast a bunch of times. Um, they have a great Patreon uh, where they they sup, they sup have so much hours and hours of, of joyful, torturous sometimes uh, things that they have to watch, including myself every now and then. Yeah. Um, and it's also a little looser. It's a little it's a it's the bad bin. It's a little bad grind bin. You know, yeah. it gets it gets a little little nasty in those in those episodes so yeah check them out uh thank you so much robbie man i appreciate it bro ah my pleasure we're gonna ride off into the sunset oh, we're gonna fly off into the sunset with walter Matthau and 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 call it a night and have ourselves a beer so we'll till next time we'll check y'all later bye tell them bye robbie bye bye <laughs> <laughs>